Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Carissa Mom Podcast with the HR Twins. We're so glad that you could join us today. And so excited for this episode. So stay tuned. Welcome to the Career Salon Podcast. Um, Thank you for joining us for another episode. We are super excited, and I know I say that all the time, but we're really super (laughs) excited, (laughs) really super excited about who we have in the Career Salon this week, because I've known Sarah Greenwell over 10 years. Wow. Wow. (gasps) Yes, and she's amazing, so... I'm going to introduce Sarah and tell you a little bit about her. Um, I can tell you funny stories of us working together as recruiters <laughs> back in the day. But she owns her own company called Her Move. She is a Connecticut native and she's amazing. So here's a little bit about Sarah, just a little blurb, and then we're going to have her tell you guys about what she does and her background. So Sarah has been in corporate recruiting since 2006, most recently as the director of talent acquisition for Bullhorn, um, the leading SaaS solution for the staffing industry. Sarah and her husband are the previous owners of Greenwell Organic Tea and Coffee and Greenwell Being Health Coaching in New Haven, Connecticut. As a career in-house recruiter and female business owner, Sarah is passionate about contributing to the impact women make in the companies that shape our world. Sarah is a yogi. She loves yoga and live music, um, fun theme 5Ks, and most of all, spending time with her husband, Matt, who's my brother, <laughs> um, children, Lincoln and Eve, <laughs> and they have a wonderful dog named Wrigley, who's also a green whale. <laughs> And Sarah is uncomfortable cooking bacon and writing in the third person. (laughs) Tell us more. (laughs) You're uncomfortable cooking bacon? I'm yes, I well, I don't eat a lot of meat and I, I feel like I get put in situations where I need to do simple things like cook bacon, like at family gatherings, and I get really stressed out. I don't know what to do. (laughs) And use microwaves. We don't have a microwave. And I just get really just, I don't know what to do when I have to microwave something. (laughs) That's why I love you, Sarah. (laughs) So I I want everybody to know about you, Sarah, because you're so multifaceted. Um, in your career and work history. So I know I couldn't cover everything that you've done over the years. So kind of summarize it for us. Sure. Um, So, yeah, I, um, 
and maybe you're going to ask my origin story, so I'll partially cover that. But <laughs> I, I started at an insurance company, and I actually started in sales. Um, and I hated it outside of the very cute boy, Matt Greenwell, that sat a couple rows over from me. Um, <laughs> but I, I happened to be okay at it. And so they um, asked me to go to a, um, a job fair and help recruit other salespeople. And while I was there, it was like the best day I'd ever had. And the women from the recruiting team that were there with me, I was like, is this your job? Do you do this? They're like, well, not like this all the time, but yeah, we recruit people. Um, and so that's what started a long career in recruiting. I, I recruited for um, sales, exactly what I had been doing in insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was asked to recruit for finance, also within the insurance industry. Um, and then my first, I guess, kind of uh, tech entry was at Redbox, where I met Camille, <laughs> um, when I moved out to Chicago, because then my uh, my boyfriend, then Matt Greenwell, um, he's an integral part of my story here, um, he got promoted to a rollout in Chicago, so brought us out there, recruited for Redbox, um, then I moved into a... Uh, a centralized recruitment management position for Saks Fifth Avenue. So it was in luxury fashion, which I know the career salon appreciates. (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, and then took a, um, a brief, uh, two year hiatus to open and, uh, and run an organic tea and coffee shop. And I had a, a complimentary health coaching practice right next door to the coffee shop. Um, and then went back into recruiting, this time in industrial automation, um, super glamorous. Wow. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then ended up um, at a yeah startup software company that I helped grow from um, less than 300 people to uh, over 1,000 by the time I left. And then, as you know, went out on my own um, almost a year ago exactly to start her move. Woo! Woo! Wow. You've had a wild ride. (laughs) Yes, I have. So, Sarah, let me ask, when you were growing up, what did you think you were going to be? Oh, gosh. Or do as a career? (laughs) You know, I I wanted to be a teacher when I was young, which is interesting because I I feel like that's people always guess that as my profession or, you know, tell me I'd be a good kindergarten teacher, which I'm very scared of young children. Like I love my own, but I get uncomfortable (laughs) in front of others. Um, That's what I thought. And then I actually started school as a musical theater major. Um, and I, uh, switched my major to English cause I thought I'd never get a job with a musical theater degree, but English, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and then I, I actually, after my undergrad went and, um, and studied at the American Musical and Dramatic Academy in New York city for about a year, seeing if musical theater could be my profession. Wow. And once again, decided no to that. Wow. So what made you start her move? Well, a a lot of things. I think it was very serendipitous. Um, I had had been working remotely for Bullhorn for um, almost two years. And I had, uh, I'd started there when I lived in Boston um, when we had my son, Lincoln, 
my husband and I wanted to move back to Connecticut to be closer to the grandparents. Yeah. Um, and Bullhorn let me work from home um, with the understanding that I'd go up there two days a week and I'd spend the night up there once a week. And it was tough being away from Lincoln and doing that, but I could do it. Um, and then after I had my second child, my daughter Eve, um, it just really wore on me being away from home that much and uh, wore on my husband. So I started thinking about, okay, what else could I do? And, um, and being in Connecticut, you know, there's, there's not a lot of tech companies here. Not yet. I'm hoping to help change that. Um, but I didn't want to go back into, you know, one of the Goliath insurance companies or healthcare companies. Um, and so really started thinking about what, I wanted to do and, um, you know, decided I really wanted to do my own thing and that I was ready for it and thought about what would make me excited to do that. And, um, that's why I picked a focus on women and a focus on tech companies and just went for it. Wow. So her move, if you had to give someone an elevator pitch about what the aim and goal of her move is. What'd you say, Sarah? Ah, I've practiced this so many times. I'm so bad at the elevator pitch thing. <laughs> <laughs> so um, my, my mission is to connect amazing women with incredible careers. So that's her moves mission. Um, what I do is I help, uh, I help growing tech companies to hire women into critical leadership positions within their companies. Um, that could be people leadership, could be thought leadership, um, but helping to, uh, to get women in those influential roles at these companies that are, you know, mm-hmm. innovating in the way that Amazon does and Google does, where, you know, if this early on we can get women helping to, um, navigate the direction of the company, it can be so incredibly impactful. That was a long elevator ride, but that's, <laughs> that's what I do. So, so obviously, so obviously, since since you created her move and it's for women to get opportunities, you saw some of the challenges women have in getting those positions and companies having issues with creating diversity particularly for women. So what are some of the challenges that you saw when you were a recruiter, even as yourself as a female uh, woman trying to get those opportunities? What are some of the things you're trying to smooth out with her? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. So there's, you know, there's a few different things. I I think there's um, a lot of companies, a lot, a lot of companies and hiring managers are very well-intentioned. And a lot of the service I provide with the companies that I work with is helping to point out things that they don't realize are creating these barriers to entry. And, and, and that's huge. So for instance, you know, you're, you're trying to hire a, a software engineering manager and you're looking for, you know, 10 plus years of people leadership experience and, you know, 15 plus years of Java experience. And it's like, whoa, 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 you're knocking out you know, 90% of women, because women graduating with CS degrees has only spiked within the past, you know, four or five years. Right. Um, and then once you point those things out, they're like, oh, well, it doesn't really need to be 10 years. And then you can take away that, you know, mm-hmm. arbitrary um, 
arbitrary benchmark they're putting in. So there's things like that, you know, companies not realizing it. Um, and then there's sort of the more <laughs> unconscious bias definition that, you know, we're all very familiar with. Mm-hmm. And right. I still come across a lot with, you know, oh, we need someone with more horsepower. Or we need someone that's more of a hard hitter that's, you know, ready for the every sports analogy ever. Right. And people that go in automatically defining their candidate by that, immediately women are at a disadvantage. You know, they come in and they might not be as outgoing and it's like, oh, she's not going to be able to, you know, sit in a board meeting. Right. Um, so there's that. But I, I think on, um, you know, the uh, women's side as well, you know, we we are getting to a really wonderful time in history where I, I think we are being encouraged to advocate for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But even, you know, I, and I know both of you know this as well, even when we all started our careers that wasn't the case. You know, we right. didn't see a lot of women in leadership positions. No. And, you know, we didn't have, uh, we didn't hear about getting mentors. We didn't, you know, ha- have all these great resources that that we do now. So, um, so I think a lot of us are still a bit more nervous than maybe the younger generation, hopefully, knock on wood, is. No, you do. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask about, um, you know, you talked to us about, you know, all of your different experiences with the um, with nutrition, uh, with the coffee shop, with recruiting, with being in sales, with musical theater, so many <laughs> things you've done. How so do you think things. that that has contributed to who you are now and what you've built with her move? Oh, all of it. I, I mean, everything, every experience in my life, I, I think, has has led to where I am now. And I'm sure this experience in 10 years, I'm going to look back and and see how this contributed to where I am then. Um, I I mean, I, I tell people all the time how grateful I am for my English degree because I can write, you know, a Mm well-written email and so many people can't. And that is, (laughs) you know, so such an overlooked skill set. Um, you know, musical theater, I've, I've been performing since I was young and, Mm -hmm. um, when you are a woman in leadership, you do get thrown into a lot of situations where, you know, you do have to perform sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, you have to, right. to recall things, you have to be able to think on your feet. Um, so I, I credit, I credit that with a lot. Um, and then <laughs> the, so many lessons from the cafe. I <laughs> I remember I, that time. <laughs> I know you do. I was, I was not happy in that time. And that was, that was the biggest lesson of all. I mean, I think, um, you know, owning a coffee shop sounds so romantic, right? And mm-hmm. we, we see it in movies and, mm-hmm. um, Oh my gosh, my husband and I went to Italy for a honeymoon. It was like every coffee shop we went into, we're like, oh, this is the life. <laughs> um, and then it's just so different. And, um, and you know, waking up at 5 a.m. every day, having to cook muffins and then having people mad at you because you don't have the right type of milk that they want. And, uh, you know, it just, it it was really helpful in, in helping build up this uh, thick skin, which yeah. I've never had. I, I mean, I'm very sensitive. I've, I've never had that. And I, I had to become a lot more resilient. Um, but nutrition piece, I, I mean, to be a health coach, I had to go to nutrition school. And I I am most grateful for that out of anything, any, anything I've mm-hmm. done, because um, it's it's taught me how to nourish myself and my family and, mm-hmm. and to, you know, do it holistically. I think especially, 
at times like right now where we're in such a crisis where you mm-hmm. need to be healthy, body, mind, spirit. I, I mean, I, I fall back on everything I learned in nutrition school for that. No, good. I wanted to ask one more one more question about the whole trajectory of kind of how you got to where you are now. But I want to talk about risk taking um, because I, I just had a podcast um, with Harvey Nash about this. And they asked me, you know, do women take enough risk right in their careers and in their lives? And when, and I'm like, I look to you uh, aspirationally, Sarah, because I'm like, you take risk and whether it works out or not, you are still willing to take risk. So tell me about why you, I feel like you have no fear and kind of jumping (laughs) in and doing what you want to do and kind of doing your life's work, whatever that may be. And then if something doesn't work out, still having the courage to be a risk taker again. So what, what are your thoughts on risk? Yeah, it's so funny. I don't think I would ever um, say I'm a risk taker (laughs) or um, particularly brave. I don't know. Um, I think it's a anything. I'm very deliberate about anything I do. And I I think long and hard and I plan. I I mean, even with her move, um, I I bought the domain for it. Um, you know, I think like two months before I even talked to my boss about wanting to leave Bullhorn. And then when I did that, I built out, you know, a four month plan of leaving the company. And during that time, you know, built everything for my business to make sure I was, you know, ready to go day one. Same thing with the cafe. You remember that time, Camille, you know, Matt, I planned it for like a year or so. Yeah. I always plan. So I have that. Um, but I always think about, you know, what's, what's the worst that can happen. And, you know, the worst that can happen is never the worst that can happen. And mm-hmm. there's always a fallback, you know, no matter what, there's always a fall. Matt and I were just, my husband and I were just talking about this. We're both self-employed and he is in, um, you know, the housing business, which is another one that like recruiting is kind of scary in a time like this. Right. And we're like, you know, worst case scenario dip into our 401k, you know, get a job at Starbucks. I mean, there's, there's always something that you can do. And so I I think that's, that's helpful to just always have that. That's great. And you said there's always something that you can do. I know a lot of people, they get upset because they are not where they want to be. Mm. And they look at other people and they compare themselves and they say, you know, I wish I could make up my own business, her move, and like Sarah has, or I wish I could do this and be successful at it. What are some encouraging words that you would have for people that aren't necessarily where they want to be and they're trying to get there, but they just can't, I guess, encourage themselves enough to know that they can do it? What are some of the things that inspired you or keep you going doing the things that you feel as a person makes you successful and and gives you that peace and satisfaction over your life? Yeah. um, Good question. I, you know, I, I always say, just do it. (laughs) 
Like, just just go for it. Like, why not? Nike. I'm so happy you guys are doing this because Camille knows for forever, you know, she's talked about the career salon. And I'm like, Camille, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Okay, and only, do it. only like 10 years later or <laughs> no, 10 no. years later, we're doing it. <laughs> uh, but that's it. It's just, just, just go for it. I know so many people that have such great ideas and um you know a, a previous uh co-worker of mine and i hope she listens to this actually she's in hr so she should um, <laughs> and i'll tell her to but you know she has this great idea for um for a, a play cafe you know where you can take your kids but also be feel like an adult um and it's so great and she's talked to me about it a bunch of times and whenever I talk to her, I'm like, how's that going? Have you started it yet? Just do it because it's going to be good. And so that's, that's a lot of it is you just have to jump into something. If you're that passionate about it, you're, you're going to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Um, I read a lot of books and I do a lot of audio books. Um, two of them, I, I really recommend if, if you have, you know, just that, that entrepreneurial thought and, and drive going, mm-hmm. um, one is, uh, disrupt you by Jay Samet. And it's, um, he's, I, I can't even think, um, of all of the, the crazy things that he's done, but he's invented so many things. Like he was the guy that came up with the, um, the photos that used to come on the, the CD-ROMs when you bought computers <laughs> like back in the day. Like, that's where it all started. Um, but he um, he runs uh, – he's a professor that teaches innovation classes. And it's like it's, – it's a really inspiring read or listen just to get your mind going and to realize, like, there's enough out there. There's enough great ideas and there's enough of us that we can all do what we want to be doing mm-hmm. and creating new things all the time. Um, and then the other is uh, Take the Leap by Sarah Bliss. And it follows um, a bunch of people that made really radical changes in their career. Like one of them was like a uh, like 58-year-old executive who um, – loved DJing like that was her favorite thing and she left the corporate world to become a DJ and now she's like a celebrity DJ right. <laughs> so like Gaga's house and spins <laughs> <laughs> so um so you know read things that inspire you follow people that inspire you and especially with other women um, don't be intimidated by other success you know see it as inspiration but don't see it as a I'll never be like that that's good yeah. And a, and a branch off question to that same question is, I know you're a mom and a lot of women since, you know, your business is kind of focused on getting them to move and, you know, getting them placed um, in certain opportunities. A lot of women are afraid to even even aside from being entrepreneurs to move to a different job because, oh, I don't know. I've been at this job for 10 years. I have two kids and I'm just afraid that, you know, I might fail at the opportunity or it might not be the right opportunity for me, but I'm I'm stable over here. <laughs> but you've done all these things, open, open up a tea shop and uh, have your own wellness company and, you know, go from recruiting at a at a corporate environment to your own recruiting boutique. So. Did you think about, oh, I have children, I'm going to just leap and I'll just find a way to take care of my children and it'll be okay? How do you reconcile that in your mind? Yeah, um, 
No, my, uh, yeah, my children are, are everything. And, and that's having a daughter really actually made me want to do this more. Um, and, uh, and I think it goes to back to the other thing we discussed, which is I, I just, I have faith that it's going to work out. And, and if it doesn't, I'll, I'll quickly redirect. What I do is tough. And that's, that's been a, a big lesson I learned this year is my first, uh, my first two hires were not women. And, uh, I had, I had women candidates, um, that, uh, for each of the roles that ended up not moving for similar reasons to what you're talking about, Carla, which is, you know, I don't, um, I don't want to leave my, um, you know, I don't want to leave my current place of employment because, right. you know, my setup's so good. I, I right. know my schedule. I've got it all yeah. all figured out. Um, or, um, you know, one of them, she didn't um, she didn't want to leave her team. You know, she was a leader and, and she had a, a team that worked for her that she loved. And so she didn't want to leave them. She felt bad about what that would do for them. Um, and so I, it's, it's very tough to recruit women, um, much more so than it is to recruit men, because we are so much more reluctant to take, to take those risks and, and make those career changes, especially when we have kids and, and when we don't want to disrupt our lives. Yeah, I mean... I mean, I talk to women that go through that all the time. So right. <laughs> it's a, I think it's a big problem. I mean, you know, to think that you can't have the opportunity to be flexible and, you know, still have a flourishing career. I mean, it's a it's a dilemma. I think that plagues it more is. women than than we know. Well, and you know what? I, I always say just ask. There's there's not a problem. And I, I, I love when. When I speak with women that do that or that at least bring it up in the first call and I say, let me just bring it up to them now and come Mm -hmm. back and and see what they have to say, whether Mm -hmm. it's a, you know, I need to work remotely at least two days a week or, you know, for childcare, I always have to, I'm in by nine, but I have to leave by four. Right. And, and I ask the companies and most of the time they say, oh yeah, that's fine. You know, for Mm -hmm. the right person, we'd be totally flexible, but we're just afraid to ask those things. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I want to ask the question because it's personal to me because I've known you and I met you at work, Sarah. And sometimes people are like, you just go to work, you do your job and you go home. You don't really make friends at work. But I will say that you're one of my longest standing friendships that I've made stemming from work. And I feel like some of the things that I've done and, um, you know, said and kind of how my career has gone has been because I kind of have you as a friend and a supporter of me. And we have a really good relationship when we built that relationship working together. And I feel like if I had that, that mentality where I'm not going to make friends at work, I'm just going to go to work and go home. I would have never had a friend like you and you would be in the career salon podcast, which I talk to you about every day for like years. (laughs) I mean, what do you think about friendships at work and, you know, how they it's sometimes with women, it's hard because I think some women are, I know you said it earlier, you know, don't be intimidated by other women and things like that. I think there's that contention in the workplace. But I Mm -hmm. think that building relationships and building friendships for me has been a blessing to my life. So what do you think about building, you know, friendships and relationships at work 
and how they help you or hurt you, you know, in your career life moving forward. Yeah. I, I mean, um, yeah, Carla, as, as the uh, the HR pro may, uh, <laughs> they say, don't get into the relationship. I mean, I met my husband at work. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but no, I think it's so... It's so critical, and and Camille, I, I agree. I mean, I love we we both we both get it. You know, we we both are recruiting leaders, and and we can we can call each other and, and gut check and, and yeah. be like, oh my god, this happened, or what have you done here? And I know you know we've shared resources and PowerPoint decks, and it's so nice to have that and have mm-hmm. someone that you feel like you're not going to be judged by. <laughs> by <people laughs> right. like, I don't know what this metric means. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the, I think it goes back to um, you know something else with the the wider um, you know maybe another obstacle for women in leadership, which is feeling that we have to be something other than what we are, feeling mm-hmm. like we need to act a certain way to mm-hmm. fit the definition of what we're supposed to be, um, and. I will be, um, you know, very, uh, very honest that my first role as a manager, I did not, I was very, very, um, very much against being friends with anyone. And I thought, you know, I'm a manager. I have to be a manager. I can't be friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I need, I need to be the boss. I need to, mm-hmm. I need to tell people what to do. Um, and, and I feel sad when I see managers acting like that still, because yeah. it's so, it's not the right way to lead. And, and it's so limiting to you. Um, mm-hmm. and, and some of, you know, my best friends from Bullhorn are, you know, people that I managed and were on my team. And Mm -hmm. that's because by that point in my career, I, you know, I realized that being a good leader isn't, you know, dictating to your team what to do and and standing Mm -hmm. back and not being a human. It's, you know, being, being a a human and, and being friendly and, and managing in a way that, you know, you're direct and they know where they stand. And so nothing, you know, radical candor, you're, they know you care about them. And so Mm -hmm. anything that you have to tell them that's a a criticism or, um, you know, negative is, is for the betterment of them. And they understand that. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's a quality of a real leader, because I think real leaders can be connected with the people that they manage because they know how to balance themselves And what I mean by that is they know that it's not a good leadership quality to play favorites. Right. So just because I'm friends with Susie does not mean that I'm going to treat Susie any different than Tom. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we might, you know, our kids may have play dates on Saturdays, (laughs) but you're still going to be treated the same at work. And that's just how it is. And I think real leaders, they every day they go home and reflect on their day Mm -hmm. and they say, how can I do this better? Or did I do something to maybe offend the other members of my team Did I treat one person different than the other? And I just think that's a part of the reflective nature of a leader. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I I'm an HR leader and I always say every single job, I'm not going to make friends because how can it work? No. I could fire them. <laughs> and I can't be friends with people I work with. But, you know, it's just in my personality to be friendly and social. And 
I've had some very good friendships throughout my career, and I still have some of them today. And some of the jobs that I've had, I wouldn't know how I would have made it through being at that job without friends, my friends at work. I just just don't know how I would have made it. And so I just try to just check myself every day. Like, and I always tell people that I become friends with or connected with that, you know, I follow the rules. I'm in HR. So if you do break a policy and it's where you could be disciplined up into (laughs) termination, you have to come in my office and I will have to hand you a slip of paper. So, but don't be mad at me, okay? (laughs) I'll call you later. (laughs) But I'll have to fire you. I'm sorry. Gotta be upfront and honest. That's right. <laughs> Let's talk about fun stuff, Sarah. We know you okay. love music, and we love music in the career salon. It's just such a big part of life. So we want to talk to you about your. I know a little bit. Carla doesn't know though about your musical taste and <laughs> some of the music that you like, and then what you listen to to get you pumped up for work and when you have a big project or you're trying to work on a wreck that's challenging what do you listen to yeah um i like i like all sorts of types of music um my biggest genre is like indie folk music <laughs> which you know yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um no like i love wilco uh you know bony bear um a lot of uh i could say a lot of names that that probably a lot of people don't know but um Music that kind of tells a story and it's a, you know, the origins of it is, you know, someone with a guitar and just, you know, just a melody and just singing about life. Um, so that's the, that's the type of music I really uh, connect with. Camille knows my, my husband and I have a big record collection. Mm-hmm. So we, we love to, uh, you know, just play vinyl and, and have it on in the background a lot. Um, I, uh, I haven't listened to a lot of like, real um like exciting pump me up for anything music in a while (laughs) but you but you like yoga so i mean do you listen to you listen to meditation or music calming music i do i do yeah i um i i know most people are onto spotify but i i still do pandora (laughs) so they have a a calm meditation station on there um and i I'm gonna, I was going to say for my like, um, you know, excited pump, uh, pump me up station, I have a, um, and it's so outdated, but it, it plays music now that's popular that is in the same genre, but um, <laughs> I do Katy Perry firework at oh, Pandora yeah. station. Yeah. And that's, that's my, uh, you know, that's my big exciting <laughs> one. Awesome, Sarah. I still do show tunes. Oh, show tunes. I'm just more oh, yeah. closeted with it. But I love when a show tune is, uh, or when a, a Broadway show becomes like actually popular, and then and then it's okay for me to be out of the closet about my love of show tunes. Like when Hamilton became a oh, thing, yeah. then it was okay, <laughs> so that I could talk about it all the time and listen to it. Everybody loved the Hamilton soundtrack. Yes, yes. I still haven't seen 
the the play, but the, I the show. Either but, I really um, want to so bad. I mean, but I, I heard the tickets were expensive, so they were <laughs> like, yeah, we need a GoFundMe for that. <laughs> right, it's like twelve hundred bucks a ticket. It's ridiculous. Okay, so we're gonna wrap it up, Sarah. <laughs> um, I want you to let everybody know where they can find you and find out more about her move. Um, they can. F- Find me at makinghermove.com, and uh, and that's for um, you know businesses for women looking to make career moves. You know companies looking to hire, looking for guidance. Um, <clears throat> Instagram is my my only real social media that I do, and that is exclusively for women in leadership roles. Um, so it gives a lot of uh, tips and guidance. Um, just quick snippets for women in leadership to be stronger leaders. Cool. Well, we want to thank you so much for stopping by the salon. Thank you, uh, ladies. <laughs> and of course, we're having our uh, our good people that we know on, you know, for the first rounds of our podcast. But when our audience grows, as we know it will, we want to have you are our first guest back on to, you know, give us updates, let us know what you're doing and everything. So hopefully you'll have time for us to do that. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> you can fit us <laughs> up to your schedule. schedule. <laughs> I'll, I'll pencil you in. <laughs> well, folks, we're going to wrap up and we want to thank you for joining us on another episode of the Career Salon Podcast. Thank you. This is Carla, the HR expert. And this is Camille, the recruiting expert. And we're the HR twins. You just finished an episode of the Career Salon podcast. Be sure to follow us on all social media platforms at the Career Salon. And don't forget to subscribe and follow on all podcast platforms for upcoming episodes.